0: Happy Easter, everybody! Thank you so much for being here. For those of you that Anthony probably already said that uh, are, are visiting with us, we are so honored that you would have come here to spend uh, a moment or two with us. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and we're just happy you're here. For those of us that come all the time, well, you know how much I love you. It's um, it's hard to put into words. In fact, I get a little choked up. I think about it enough, uh, just of the the love of the family of God, uh, I have uh, really close, my, my dearest friend in life is here today, he came all the way from, from the Malibu area, and uh, the greatest athlete I guess I've ever known, and, uh, and so I get all choked up when I see old friends and when you're here, and we get to celebrate Easter together, so, so we want to wish you a very, very wonderful Easter, and we want to thank you for being here with us. Um, we've been studying through this wonderful book called the Book of Revelation, and um, you know, you come to Easter time and you wonder what in the world will I speak on, you know, because we want to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want to we want to make it very certain that that everybody that comes understands what it means to us as believers in Jesus Christ why this day is of such importance to us. And so I thought, well, where in the world can we turn to? I I've uh, been preaching now for a few years and I'm thinking now, I've kind of uh, talked about everything. Maybe they won't remember what I did a few years ago and I can go back there and talk about that. And I was reading through where we were in the book of Revelation. We've been studying about in chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation. It points out seven different churches. It kind of is a reflection of what the church is like today. The, the, The good things that we do and some of the things that we ought not to be doing like the church at Ephesus, the first church that the Lord mentions in chapter 2, he says, this I have against you. you you've, you've left your first love. And, and it's an it's a, it's amazing statement that, that we, we, we learn from that that we ought to have a love for Jesus Christ that boils up within our soul, that, that, that gives us fire in our belly, so to speak, our love for Him. And, and I recognize and realize fully that, that, that what... What people think about Easter is, well, the usual questions arise, do they not? Uh, you hear them from people either on talk show or talk radio, talk television, something. You hear people say, did Jesus Christ really raise himself from the dead? I mean, that's the issue of Easter, is it not? He, he, on Good Friday, we had a wonderful Good Friday service, Pastor Bill just shared a wonderful message. And we, we learned about what would happen upon the cross when Jesus Christ shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we understand that, but the, but the question comes up, did he, did he really raise himself on Easter Sunday? Did he really raise himself from the dead? And if that's so, is he truly still alive? And if he is alive, then where in the world is he now? What's going on in this world in which we live? And so those questions come, and, and we've been studying through this, the book of Revelation. We've been looking at the different churches that, that answers just those thoughts. And I'd like to share it with you. I'd like to stay right where we are. If you have a Bible, would you please turn with me to the book of Revelation, the third chapter. We've come to a church called Sardis. And... Uh, in this church, this, this community uh, in Sardis was a, was a thriving community. Their, their, their city was built on top of this great mountain. It was, uh, it was almost impregnable. The, the, the enemies could not come against them very easily. And they had a, a business that world that was thriving. They had a society that was doing very well. And if you read with me in the book of Sardis, in, in the uh, first verse... When God comes to this, this, this community and Jesus Christ is speaking, and, and we already studied, I won't bother you with the, with the symbolism of the seven spirits of God, which stands for the Holy Spirit, and the seven stars that he held, those were the, symbolized the churches. And so Jesus Christ comes to this church, as it says in verse 1, And to the angel of the church of Sardis, he asked him to write these things. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this I know your deeds. I I know that you have a name, that you are alive. But he says, Not so fast. Not so fast. Because you're dead. Now, it's important to know that, that Jesus is not talking about physical death, they're not physically dead. He is talking about their spiritual status. They're, they're, they're dead spiritually. They've become dormant. They've lost their first love. They've, they've, they've left their first love, I should say. They've, they've, they've kind of mixed the world in with the church, so to speak. And, and so he says, you're spiritually dead. And spiritual death in the New Testament always goes to the same cause, always, And the cause that that causes spiritual death is sin. It always is. It always will be. Paul taught as much. And in the book of Ephesians, the writer Paul, who is one of my heroes in the the Bible, he, he says in Ephesians 2, 1, he says, All of us are dead, every single one of us, not only us here in this church, everyone in this world, we're all dead, that is spiritually dead, we're dead in our trespasses, and we're dead, he says, in our sins. But the same writer, Paul, in the book of Romans, in the third chapter, the 23rd verse, he, he lumps us all together. Preachers, pastors, people that go to church, people that don't go to church. He says that all of us have sinned. Every single person on the face of this earth has sinned. That we all have in common. And he says, therefore, we all fall short of the glory of God. You see, we're all in this mess together. Spiritually dead. But God always, when he presents a warning, always gives forth a blessing. Always. And so in the same book, the book of Romans, this time the sixth chapter, not the third, but the sixth, Same verse, the 23rd verse. He says that the wages of sin is what? Do you know? That's right, death. The wages of sin is death. That's the warning. But he says the free gift of God is eternal life found in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the blessing. The warning The wages of our sin is death. The blessing? God wants to give you and me a free gift. He wants to give us eternal life, which is found in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, if I may, for the remaining minutes that we have, I'd like to talk to you about this free gift of God, this Easter Sunday, the reason that Jesus Christ truly went to the cross on Good Friday shed His blood, died upon the cross. Three days later, rose from the dead to to show and to prove to everyone that He is exactly who He says He is. I want you to think about this thing called eternal life that is said to be found in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'd like to look at it with you in this place that we've been, in the book of of Revelation, in the third chapter, verses 1 through 6, the the church at Sardis, and I want you to see how it ties together with what we celebrate on Easter. Read with me, please. And if you have a Bible open to Revelation chapter three, if you do not, please don't be intimidated. There might be a Bible in the book uh, in the in the in the chair in front of you. It's the last book in the Bible, so you, you can kind of find that fairly easily. And look at chapter three. If you can read with me, do so. If you cannot listen, please. Let me read to you verses 1 through 6. Again, Jesus Christ says to the angel of the church of Sardis, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know, I know your deeds. That You have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. He says in verse 2, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Therefore, he says in verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and what you have heard, and keep them, and repent. If, therefore, you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. And he says in verse 4, But, I, but you have a, a few people... In Sardis, who have not soiled their garments, and they walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The person who overcomes, he says in verse 5, shall thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, he says to these churches, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, what I would like to ask you to do is to not think so much about the churches, but think about your own self. In the remaining moments that we have, what I would ask of you is to just, just kind of listen to that still, quiet voice that, that happens somewhere within you. I, I want to ask that maybe we can take the busyness of this day, and I know, I know you're, you're, you've got a lot going on, and I again, say to you how much I appreciate you being here. But for a moment or two, let us just move the busyness of this day aside and let's try to hear the voice of God. I'm going to ask in a moment in prayer with you that I just get out of the way. Because I want to hear that voice too. I want God to speak to you and me this morning that that we might hear Him this Easter Sunday and hear what He has to say within our own lives. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to your own heart. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our our Lord and Savior, the one we celebrate this Easter, the, the one to those of us who have placed our faith and our trust in you, the one that we believe with all of our hearts has risen from the dead, who has shed his blood so that we might have our sins forgiven through that act of mercy that you've given to us. Father, we call upon you and in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that you might bless us. I ask that you'd move me aside so much so that, Father, we don't really hear so much the words that I'm saying, but we listen to that still soft and quiet voice that rings within the heart of our hearts. That that might be speaking to us even at this moment. That you might, Father God, minister to us. Myself included, I pray, Father. That you would, as it says in the Psalms, the 119th chapter, that you would open up our eyes and our hearts, our minds and our thoughts. So that we might behold, Father, wonderful things from your heart, your word, your law. Oh, Father, bless us. Bless us. Our families, our loved ones, bless this country of ours, dear Father. Bless those who are overseas, who are, are going to battle, Father, to, to, to secure that we would have our freedom. Oh, Father, bless us, please. I pray in Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, you've you got to kind of know my personality and know why I like this place in Scripture so much. I really find it quite amusing. You see, there is this. There was this movement, that, and there is these people that these naysayers that wonder. You know, those of us who are in, are in church this morning, they think we're absolutely crazy. You know, it's insane. There's probably someone here in your family that you drug here that thinks I can't believe this. I mean, singing, you got to be kidding me. And, and 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 now this guy with a big nose going bald, telling me things. About, well, I don't know. I don't even know him. But I find it amusing that. That the, the people on television, the naysayers, are, are saying, you know, you Christians, you're, you're crazy for coming to church. I mean, God's dead. I love that he turns it around and says, on the contrary, you're dead. Now, I'm gonna, if we're going to choose sides and I get first pick, I'll take God. Then you can have second pick. I want to be on that side. He says, no, on the contrary, You say that you're alive, but you're not. You're spiritually dead. But always, as God will do, he doesn't leave us alone with that thought. So he says in the second verse, after saying, you say that you're alive, but you are dead, he says, now wake up. Since I proclaim that you are spiritually dead, wake up and strengthen, he says. Strengthen the things that remain that we're about to die. When he says wake up, then we, we can realize for certain that we are not physically dead. He is talking to people who are spiritually dead and need to wake up and strengthen those things that remain Now, the good question that you might ask is how? Okay, I'm willing to wake up. I'm willing to strengthen the things that remain. But how? How, God? How do I do that? Well, he says in the third verse, watch. He says in verse 3, I want you to remember. Remember the things that you have received. I want you to remember the things that you have heard. And I want you to keep them. And then he says, I want you to repent. In other words, to turn from sin. That's the blessing. Now the warning, if you don't wake up, then he says, I'll come like a thief. You'll not know at what hour I'm going to come upon you. That's the warning. And so we see warnings and blessings throughout all of Scripture. It's always there. Just as we saw in the book of Romans, the warning is the wages, since all of us are sinners, the wages of our sin is death. That's the warning. But the blessing is, the free gift of God is eternal life found in His Son. The one we, we celebrate Easter, the found in His Son, Jesus Christ. So God says, remember and keep, and when need be, repent of your sin. So remember what? Keep what? I mean, some of us, I remember that when I came to Jesus Christ, I never really read the Bible. I didn't know what God wanted of me. I had some ideas, but I really didn't know what the Bible had to say about how I was to live. So what am I to remember? Well, the Bible's clear. It says we are to remember the things out of this, the Word of God. That's why at church, this is what we do. We study the Word of God. We don't have a lot of traditions and a lot of rules and regulations. We, we allow God to set the, the format for us in our own life. And so he says, remember what you have heard. Remember what you have received. And keep those things. And, and when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, then repent. Or, in other words, turn from your sin. What have you heard? What have we received? Well, today I want to make a promise to you. I will not allow you to walk out of those doors that you will not hear what Jesus has to say about you and what he has to say about himself. Of himself, Jesus says here in this little section of Scripture in Sardis, uh, in Revelation, the church at Sardis, he says, I want you to wake up. While you're awake, he says, I want you to strengthen yourself. And when you wake up and strengthen yourself, I want you to repent of any sin that you might have in your life. And he says of himself, if you will not do that, then I will come upon you as a thief. That's the warning. He will come upon us suddenly, quickly. Of us, he gives some of the Greatest news you'll ever find in all of Scripture here in Revelation chapter 3, verses 4, 5, and 6. He says in verse 4, there are always... Well, look, what does it say in verse 4? He says, you have a few people. There are always a few who have not, he says, soiled their garments You have a few, he says, who walk with me in white. And for these, these few, Jesus says, you, he says, I find as worthy. More than anything else this morning, I want you and me to walk away from this place feeling worthy before God. I want us to be in the number of the few that do not mock And do not ridicule. But rather place our faith and our trust in this one who went to the cross for us. Who gave of his life. And three days later, so as to prove that everything he said about himself was true. He rose from the dead. Easter. I want you to be in that number of the few who do not soil your garments who walk with him in white and who are worthy. Now, white, you know, is is symbolic of moral purity. That means to be without sin. Whoa, you got me. I just said that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Now, how in the world are we going to walk in moral purity? How in the world are we going to be in garments that are not soiled? How in the world are we going to walk worthy before God? What Jesus is saying is this. These folks who are not in garments that have been soiled, these folks, these few who are in white and and are worthy are the ones who, who have repented of their sin, who have confessed their sin, and who have asked Jesus Christ... For their forgiveness. In other words, like verse 3 tells us, they are the people who remember the things that they have received, they remember the things that they have heard, and they kept them, and then they repented of their sins and became forgiven, became cleansed by God. And now, as verse 4 tells us, they walk with Christ in white and are worthy. By the way, that's in His purity, not ours, because we are all sinners. In His worthiness, He's worthy, and only He. We're not. So we take upon ourselves His purity and His worthiness. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul the writer of the New Testament, most of the New Testament, He says we are to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling with which we have been called. Well, to walk worthy uh, is taken from a phrase of a scale or a balance. To see, to tell the people in Sardis that they are to be worthy, they understood that immediately because the word worthy really meant like a a scale or a balance. When you did trade and, and you had to pay for something, They they measured out your coins in weight so that the scales would measure and so you could purchase whatever it is you wanted. And what God is saying to you and me, therefore, we're to balance our lives. We're to put our lives on this scale of what, what the Bible teaches. And we are to walk in this manner that is worthy. Our Lord desires for you and me to walk in that manner. To walk in that manner would reveal our belief system, would, believe, would reveal our faith. And when we walk worthy, Jesus says, I will promise you three magnificent things. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear. He made these promises to people, it says in verse 5, who overcome. You see it says, verse 5, the person who overcomes... Whoa, what does that mean? Well, we've studied through this before, so those of us that attend church here have an idea. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, it talks about who are the overcomers. It's really easy to see. It says this, whoever is born of God overcomes, there's the word, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Do you know what it is? It is pure and simple. You're our faith. That is what has overcome the world. That's what makes you and me, all of us, an overcomer. Faith. It goes on to say in the fifth verse, Who is the one who overcomes but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Easter. It's what we celebrate. They, the overcomers, we, all who overcome, are the ones who will eventually be clothed in white garments. And, as verse 5 will tell us, our names will not be erased from the book of life. Oh my gosh. You want that. Jesus will, if you can imagine... While your name is written in the book of life, he will confess your name, your personal name, before God the Father and the holy angels. In verse 4, the white garments that we'll wear speak of the purity of Jesus Christ, not ours, because we're all sinners. We call upon his name. We trust in him to give us his purity. All of us who believe, overcomers. The next chapter we're going to study in this great book, the book of Revelation, is the fourth chapter. When it comes to the fourth verse, it gives us a clue. Listen to what it says. In Revelation 4.4, it says, There are 24 elders that are seated around the throne of God, and they are all clothed in, can you even imagine, white garments. Those dogs, they're wearing those garments. Well, when we study in this book, in this chapter, chapter 4, what we are going to find out is that the 24 elders is symbolic of the church body. All of us who have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we will be in these white garments. All of us seated around the throne of God. If you can, I mean, I can't even imagine. So I won't even try to explain. I can't imagine. But in the 7th chapter of the book of Revelation... An elder asks a question, Who are these who are clothed in white robes? This is chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Who are these who are clothed in white robes? And, and where have they come from? The answer is clear. They, they, these are the ones that, that have come out of the great tribulation. Note, they have washed their robes and made them white... In the blood of the Lamb. Easter. It's what we celebrate. It's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. To shed His blood. Our garments have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. These garments are made white through the blood that Jesus shed upon the cross. Good Friday, Easter. And they are given, these robes are given to all who believe in him, overcomers. Given through his forgiveness and his cleansing of our simple faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of this world, our risen Lord and Savior, Easter. It's why we celebrate. It's why we get so excited as Christians. Because this day is meaningful to us beyond anyone's wildest dream. This is the day that we, re- we receive and, or actually can see clearly that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has risen what? Indeed. He has risen from the dead. And so we become worthy. Our clothes become washed white due to jesus and his blood and then in verse five look he gives us our eternal security the assurance of who we are security that this world cannot give you or me he says in verse five that he will not erase your name from the lamb's book of life listen there's no promise more secure in all of scripture Because this promise has been personally given by Jesus Christ who raised himself from the dead, Easter. And he's raised himself for each one of us who are called overcomers. Who have placed our faith in him. Now the word's not erased. It's the strongest negative possible in the Greek language. That verse could be Better read, I will never, no, no, wait. I will not ever, no, I will not under any circumstance, I will never, ever erase your name from the book of life. Don't you want your name in that book? If you have trusted and if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and He alone... For the forgiveness of your sin, you have the assurance, you have the security of your eternal destiny given to you by none other than Jesus Christ himself, who will never, no, not ever, not under any circumstance, erase your name from the book of life. But your name must be in that book. You know, there's not enough good works that you can do There's not enough money that you can make. There's not enough power that you can acquire. There's not enough religion that you can get that'll put your name in that book of life. No, the only way the Bible teaches that you and I can find our name written in that book of life and is done by faith and faith alone in God's Son the one that we celebrate Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ. Our faith is in Him. In fact, the book of Revelation, way back near the end, on the 21st chapter, the 27th verse, says this, Nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into heaven. But, that's the warning. Here's the blessing but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, how I want your name and my name there. Mine's already in, I hear. I've already asked the Lord for forgiveness. Lastly, and most wonderfully, Jesus Christ himself says, I will confess your name if you confess me, I will confess your name before my Father and the holy angels which are in heaven. Which speaks of your being accepted, personally accepted into God's presence. You receive His purity, the white garment. You receive His security, your name shall never be erased. And you receive His acceptance. He calls upon your name personally. We are told in In the book of Romans, again written by Paul, that we are to confess with our mouth Jesus Christ as Lord. Listen to what Paul writes. If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and if you will believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, Easter, you'll be saved. Your name will be in the Lamb's book of life. To confess Him as our Lord before men is wonderful. But note, in Matthew, written by, of course, Matthew, chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Matthew says these things. Listen to what he says. Very similar. He says, Everyone who confesses Me, Jesus is speaking, Everyone who confesses Me before men, I will confess them before My Father who is in heaven. But He goes on to say, In the next verse, verse 33, But whoever shall deny me, deny me before men, I will also deny them before my Father who is in heaven. You see, the opposite of confession in this case is denial. Which have you done? Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or have you put it off for another time? Have you denied Him for the moment? Which is it? Anthony and the praise team, would you come on up, please? I want us to close in a song. I want you to, um, to listen. Let me just share with you, before we close, with this great song. I don't want to coerce anyone into standing. Um, but I wondered, on this wonderful Easter Sunday, the 24th day of April, first service, I said March. I, mean, I am definitely old. I, I can't even remember the months anymore. But I got the year right. The year was 2011. On this day, April the 24th, 2011, what a day it would be to stand before your fellow men, before your family, before... Those of us here who love you very much, that you would stand and more importantly, stand before God the Father and his holy angels and confess Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, that he has risen, truly, he has risen indeed. Wouldn't you want to stand up? Wouldn't you want to have Jesus Christ? proclaim before his father and the angels your name, he would say, look, there's Gordon, Gordon Brown. He loves me, Father. Look angels, that's our son, wouldn't you want that? I don't want to coerce you into standing. We're all going to stand for the song in a moment. I felt guilty in the first service because I asked everybody to stand that wanted to and everybody stood. And I realized, well, you know, how embarrassing would it be if you're the only one that didn't want to stand, you know. It would look kind of foolish. But I wonder if you would now, for this moment, if it's in your heart to stand with me and let God proclaim your name before His angels. In a moment, we're going to sing this song, it goes hallelujah. You have the victory. Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you down. You are our risen King. And um, on behalf of the Rock Community Church, I want to thank you for being here. I love you folks more than life itself. I pray you have a great Easter.